Broadcasting from Silicon Valley, California, this is Conversations with Jenny Lynn. Do you love great wine? And do you enjoy the ambiance that goes with it? Well, today I have a treat for you. I have what I call one of Bay Area's best kept secrets to share with you. It is my favorite winery and it's called Regal and it's in the Los Gatos Hills and it's my favorite escape. Most recently, I was fortunate to meet the owner and I thought I would invite him to share his wonderful winery with you on video and hopefully Sometime soon, if you live here, you can go experience it in person. The owner of the Regal Winery, of which we are discussing today, is Larry Chad. And today I'm excited to share his winery and him with you. Welcome to the show, Larry. Thank you. It's nice to be here. It was a long introduction, but I had to tell them. I couldn't keep them guessing. So you have what I call, and I always tell my friends, is my favorite winery. And, it, and you are the owner of it, and you've put so much thought into all of the detail that goes with making it such a fantastic, accessible place that I wanted to share you with my viewers. So, I appreciate that. Well, you're welcome. Tell us about Regal. Tell us how it got started. Well, um... I started building about 13 years ago, and uh, a little over 13, and it's been open now almost 11 years. And it really um, came with a, from a sudden inspiration. I had built a, uh, a vacation home down in Carmel Valley, and a friend of mine helped me put together a small little uh, winemaking facility on the property because I was building it from ground up. But it was just a, a hobby uh, operation. It wasn't to be a regular commercial winery. And so we set that up and planted some Pinot grapes and Chardonnay grapes. And uh, up until then, all I had ever done was uh, be a customer on the other side of the counter, you know, visiting wineries, uh, enjoying myself, figuring out which uh, ones I liked best, just like anybody else. But at the time I was in the building industry, I was a, a builder and, um, so the, the thought of building something wasn't uh, too terribly daunting because that's what I was doing anyway. And I happened to drive by this property, which was uh, about 10 minutes from where I live. And I saw the property for sale. And the first thing that came to mind was a winery. And it's probably because I was driving home from my place in Carmel Valley at the time. And, um, and I really liked what I was doing there for a few years. I had a consulting winemaker out of Napa helping me out, giving me guidance. And, um, but I always uh, thought every time I would drive down there, you know, I wish it was a little closer to home in Los Gatos. And so I drove by uh, on the way home, I saw the property, it was for sale. And I thought just by chance, and I had never thought about really building a commercial winery beforehand, but I think just the location inspired me and the view and the proximity to town. And uh, so I inquired and, you know, was able to uh, purchase the property and get the permits and kind of build uh, more of a dream winery. If I was going to own something, what I would want it to look like. So it was just by chance driving by the property that one day. I am so happy you drove by this place 10 minutes away from where you live. Because 
it's not far from where I live. And I live in the center of the Silicon Valley. So I know it's accessible for most people. In the past, when you went to wine tasting, it always took a few hours because most of the wineries were so far away that when I discovered your place, I thought I hit the jackpot because I love wine. And it's been my favorite escape as much as I can get up there, I go. So Larry, you have done a fantastic job with your place because apart from the perfect location, you feel like you're somewhere in Italy. Do you wanna tell us about the inspiration for your particular um, design? Yes, the, um, over the years, um, you know, I've traveled, you know, to Italy and uh, different countries and experienced wine tasting, but in most countries, the tasting aspect is not as commercialized as it is here in the United States. You know, most wineries aren't open for tasting or on wine tasting trails, things like that. They're by appointment um, and you can, you know, get inside and usually meet the winemaker, but it's not the tasting side of it. It's not a big part of that industry abroad. So what I wanted to do, and that was part of my vision when I saw the property driving by, is um, I wanted to build a destination winery, not a big operation. Uh, it turned out to be bigger than I had originally planned, but not a big operation, but a destination where people could go and uh, relax, have a good time, be close to town, but feel like they're in a different country. And really the geography up here, um, lends to the kind of the feel of the Tuscan Hills. And so I decided on the Tuscan architecture and tried to build a little, um, you know, off the beaten path, uh, more of a Tuscan villa with the beautiful views and uh, so on. And so the, the whole design of the building and the feel is um, where you feel like you're in Italy, but you might be 10 minutes from town. So, and I wanted, like I said, keep it as a small operation, really, great hospitality, not looking at volume, looking at uh, just a great customer experience. And, e and even uh, going to Napa and Sonoma, my favorite wineries, uh, and there's many of them are the same thing. You know, my favorites are the ones where you can sit down and maybe have something to eat and relax, enjoy the views and uh, not feel like a big commercial operation. So that was kind of the vision and so far so good. Well, from where I see, you've observed all of your goals because prior to meeting you and speaking to anyone about the history of it, it's evident that it's an Italian style place. You even got the olive trees. I mean, I love Italy. And so for me going up there, I get that feel like I'm somewhere in Italy when, I, when I'm up there. Now, apart from the beauty and the particular geographical location of your winery, your wines are fantastic. So Thank I you. took someone there who'd never gone there before and they said to me, well, this place is great. Usually when a place is this great, the wine isn't so good. And later that <laughs> evening, I was told the wine is great. How come I didn't know about this place? Which is why I am doing this. Because if you love wine like I do, and you love good wine and the ambiance and everything that goes with it, regardless of the place to go, if you're not in the Napa Valley. Tell us about your wines. Well, uh, like I said earlier, um, I didn't want this to be a big commercial operation. And I do a fraction amount of wine production uh, that I could do here. 
I don't distribute any wine. I'm not in any restaurants or stores. Um, I don't even sell it on our website. It's really just a true destination winery where everything is uh, purchased uh, at the winery itself. And um, I could easily increase the production, but that's really not what it's all about. And it would kind of, uh, even for me personally, take the fun out of the business. I like to keep it small and everything we produce, I sell. And so um, I tried to go to the vineyards where first and foremost, um, I like the wines because when you're starting from scratch, uh, even planting your vineyards, uh, there's a whole plethora of different uh, options you have as far as what style wines you want to make, what varietals. So you're starting from scratch. And I thought, well, I know, you know, the Pinots and Shards grow very well here. So of course we have Pinot and Shard, but all the other varietals, um, I wanted to just uh, first drink the ones that I like. And, uh, and I like pretty much the same as most other people, you know, your Napa wines, your Sonoma wines, Paso Rebels wines. So I just... Uh, took that approach and that's uh, mostly where I purchased grapes from is uh, Napa Valley and Sonoma, uh, Russian River area, and then in the Paso Robles area. And um, since I'm a small producer, I can pick out the vineyards that I want that have the profile of grapes that I want. And so I can be very picky and um, even in how I process the wines here, um, you know, aging in, you know, nearly thousand gallon French oak casks that were uh, custom designed and uh, built in Europe and France and shipped here. So I can do things like that because I do it on a small scale and I really have no interest in increasing the production. Uh, you know, we're busy enough now on the weekends and, you know, with events during the week that it makes it where it's still a fun business. And I you know, like to keep it that way. I'm glad that you're doing it that way because of that. I was able to spend some time with you last Sunday when I visited the winery. Apart from making the wines and sitting back and looking at this fantastic um, creation of yours, what else do you enjoy about being the owner of this winery? You no, know, it's kind of like I said, uh, keeping it small gives me the ability to uh, meet with our customers. We have a, a very large wine club base. Um, and it's like when uh, you were up on Sunday, you know, I can sit down and take the time to talk to people. And, uh, and even, you know, sometimes it'll, I'll go a year and, you know, uh, different times during the year, people suggest a wine that they really wish I made. And sometimes I'll just uh, surprise them and make that wine. Uh, but I can be a part of it and not just, uh, look at numbers and not just trying to move as much wine as I can. Like I said, with no distribution, it gives me the opportunity to just uh, stay small and targeted to what uh, really fits the customer profile, you know, the wines that they want and uh, also fits my profile, so. That's important, right? Because you're the one with the vision and it's your business. Have you and has your business been affected by COVID? And if it has, how? Well, um, all, all businesses are affected. Um, we do a lot of uh, weekday corporate events here mm -hmm. and um, that business is pretty much put on hold for um, you know 90% of that for uh, not only wineries, but for restaurants, hotels and the like, uh, just because of the COVID. But um, uh, we were lucky in the sense that when I built the property, you know, even though we have tasting indoors on both floors and all that, uh, we like to operate outside whenever we can, COVID or no COVID, you know, even years ago. 
is so we have extensive grounds uh, around the property and we have uh, the formal grounds, but still very inviting, but uh, we have almost rooms within rooms in the gardens. So we've always operated even before COVID. Uh, if the sun is shining, we try to operate outside because that's where the customers want to be. That's where I would want to be. So if anything, our business uh, is probably on the tasting room side up probably 50% last year. And it's uh, continuing and growing this year just because we have so much outdoor space and people feel comfortable being outside because we can do, you know, vast separation. And um, so on that, on that sense, in that sense, uh, on the tasting side, the weekend side, it's been uh, busier. And um, in the events, we'll come back. It's, uh, it's fine with us. We uh, kind of uh, adopted to the, the new normal for last year and for, uh, you know, at least a good portion of this year. But um, all the business comes back, you know, we're still here and um, it's still like a Napa type property or Italian type property, very close to Silicon Valley. So we're actually enjoying the, uh, the new normal for this year. It gives me uh, during the week some time to do some uh, different tweaking to the facility and all that. And so uh, it's been good. It's, uh, we're looking forward to a return to normal, but so far it's been very good. And I must tell anyone watching this, I've been there during COVID and the only thing is bundle up because you have to sit outside and sometimes it's windy and chilly. Otherwise, you can't go wrong at Regal. Tell me, Larry, for someone who's never visited, what would they want to make sure they try when they're there? Which variety? And um, what they want to make sure they don't miss? You know, I would say... Uh... For anyone, uh, as far as on the wine side, you know, we do the Chardonnays and the Pinots and, uh, and in certain varietals like the uh, Pinot, for example, uh, not only do we have the estate, you know, Pinot Noir and other Santa Cruz ones, but we also have just some of my favorites. I always do Russian River, which is always one of my favorite and Sonoma Coast. Um, we do uh, Napa Cabernet, which is, uh, you know, not just my own, but always one of my favorite wines, the Napa Cabs, and I would definitely try that. Um, and then there's all the other bridles. We do a nice still rosé of Pinot Noir and several Chardonnays and a Merlot. And, um, but for me as a, a consumer of wine, if I were a, a customer coming in, uh, I would tell myself, uh, try the Pinots and try the Cabernets, because those are my favorite. And they're, they're also a real big favorite of the, uh, of the customers. Do you make any sparkling wines or champagnes? We do one. We do a sparkling rosé of Pinot Noir uh, every year. It's a, I do a limited production of it. Um, usually we release it in May and um, sell out sometime by the holidays, you know, more of, uh, for the summer, great summertime wine and, of course, for the holidays. So we do that. And um, once in a while, we'll do a, a port, you know, a, more of a dessert wine. But I love ports. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's good. So can someone call your winery to schedule a wedding or a dinner party or a private party at this time? And um, what is required to do that? Yes, we, so we have uh, on our website, we have information on weddings and uh, corporate and social events. And right now uh, we do any of the events outdoors. Uh, weather permitting, but usually by mid to late March, the weather becomes, uh, you know, quite nice up here. And uh, we're above the fog line. So even all summer long, the weather is really beautiful and, you know, through the fall. 
but uh, yes, we do the small ones uh, outside and as they release the restrictions, we'll start doing small ones inside and then, you know, larger ones inside again. But going into, uh, you know, with spring coming up, going into the season, very shortly, we'll run, you know, eight straight months or so where even if we have all the indoor space available, almost everybody wants to be outside, you know, unless it's a, a certain dinner that they may want to have indoors, but everybody loves being outside, whether it's dining or wine tasting or the like, so. And I'm going to let you guys on in on a little secret. When it warms up, I will be taking a few camera people with me to the winery and I will bring you guys some footage of the winery physically there outside in case you don't live in California and you can't come to see it since I have a global show. So if you don't live in the United States, when you come to California, you want to make sure you go visit this winery. Larry, before we wrap this up, you don't sell your wines in the stores and you don't sell it in restaurants. How can someone who does not live here buy your wines? They can call the winery or email us and we're happy to ship uh, anywhere. And we do get frequent calls. Um, and again, the main reason I don't sell outside, it would, it would just be because we would have to produce more wine and I would rather you know, focus on more of the experience than just production. But uh, we certainly do ship all over and uh, looks at emails or uh, just call the winery directly. We're here seven days a week, um, a little hectic on the weekends, but Monday through Friday, the office is open and, and we do take orders. Okay, and what is your top seller? I would say the top seller is our Napa cabs. Um, and second to that are Pinot Noirs, uh, especially the estate and the Russian River. They all sell well, but those two have uh, been around a long time um, and they, they consistently sell very well. What is the most challenging? Because it sounds like fun, 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 but nothing is all fun. There's always a challenging side the things. What is the most challenging? Or what would you say is the one part of this you don't quite enjoy, but it's part of the process? Well, I, I love pretty much uh, every aspect of the business, except I have a, a love-hate relationship with one part, and that uh, is the harvest. Because I love the harvest and the excitement and any grapes that I contract for, um, I pick up myself. So I don't have anything trucked in. I, I'm the trucker and, uh, and the winemaker. So I love the, uh, the whole feel of harvest and the excitement, but it is just, you know, 60 straight days of uh, hard work. So like I said, it's- uh, my, 60 days? <laughs> well, really from, um, you know, mid-August, especially the sparkling uh, grapes come in early, from mid-August to- you know, the mid to um, latter part of October for us, um, it's pretty much all in uh, crushing grapes and, you know, managing the wine through fermentation and, and all that. So, but like I said, I love it, but it's, uh, I dread it at the same time, just because of the, uh, the nonstop work. Well, not everyone knows how wine is made. So anyone watching this show that's curious from the time you harvest those grapes, how long does it take before you can actually bottle wine? It, it takes, um, by the time we harvest the grapes and go through the crush, it usually takes, um, 
you know, a few weeks uh, before we'll, you know, the, before the wine is fermented. And then we'll go into secondary fermentation in, in various stages, but it's a process where depending on the varietal, they ripen at different times. You know, like I said, your sparkling wines, uh, grapes gonna come in earlier and then your Chardonnay and Pinot and then onto your Merlots and Cabs. So uh, it's just a nonstop series of, you know, crushing grapes, fermenting grapes and all that. But, um, but it's, pretty, it's pretty predictable and um, it's uh, very systematic. Uh, we have, you know, excellent equipment because the place is new. And um, like I said, it's thrilling and exciting, but also um, a lot of work, which is good. Well, I had the grand tour on Sunday and I'll tell you guys, everything is pristine and beautiful and clean. And there is so much detail that this gentleman has put into this winery and making his wines. I recommend it a thousand percent. And this is not a commercial. This is just me expressing one of my loves and it's that winery. Larry, I always like to ask everyone I interview, is there anything I did not ask you that you think is pertinent to leave for anyone watching this segment? Um, you know, the main thing is, uh, besides a little thing, you know, we do get busy um, on the weekends, especially because we're only open for tasting Saturday and Sunday. Um, I would just say, um, come give it a try. Um, we have uh, wood-fired pizza and other Italian foods out of the wood-fired oven and desserts and all that. But um, I think anybody would experience for the first time, um, you just feel like you're in a different place. Even when you come in the gates, the way all, all of the sitting areas, the wine tasting areas are all situated towards the hills. You don't see any homes. You just see the rolling hills and vineyards below. And um, it's just, like I said, uh, just a very calm, enjoyable experience. And um, like a little drawback to the, uh, you know, the Italian uh, Tuscan hillside, so. And it does feel like that. I am here to testify to that. So before we wrap this segment up, could you leave your website address and your phone number in case someone wants to contact you after we've got their taste buds going on this segment? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So it's um, regale, R-E-G-A-L-E, wine.com is our website. And you could also call 408-353-2500. And Larry, can someone just call you and schedule an appointment to go wine tasting? Could you let people know how that whole system works so they don't drive up there and there's no accommodation? Sure. Uh, we, well, first of all, we're open Saturdays 11 to 4.30 and Sunday 11 to 5. Uh, we are open to the public so anybody can come in and taste and purchase wine and uh, you know, have food and all that. But uh, because we get busy, the, we do table reservations for our members. So the members can uh, call up or email us and make reservations ahead of time. Just one of the perks of being a member. But um, anybody can, uh, like I said, come in. And if there's tables available, we're more than happy to seat people or they could do the wine tasting and just hang out and enjoy themselves. Last thing. Tell us exactly, you give us your strategic location so that someone um, who's never gone there has an idea of where it is. Okay, well, we're really right on the, you know, the edge of Silicon Valley. So we're in Los Gatos, California. So if you're in Los Gatos itself, it's on Highway 17. And so you go south on 17, like you're going to Santa Cruz. 
but you don't even go over the summit. You're still on the, um, the northern side of the, of the hill. So you go up 17, about uh, four or five miles, and you exit off of Summit Road. And you loop over the freeway and go left, which is east. And it's uh, once you get off the freeway, it's pretty much a straight, pretty flat road for about three miles, and we're on the right side. Very easy access, plenty of parking. Um, and like I said, we're open for the tasting uh, every Saturday and Sunday, uh, pretty much throughout the year. Well, Larry, this was a real treat. So did, did we cover everything? Is there anything else you want to leave that we haven't discussed? Um, I think you uh, pretty much hit on everything. It's, um, I'll just uh, let people know you'll be surprised, I think, when you see it, because uh, we don't advertise and it's... Um, just a very calm, peaceful environment. Like I said, very close to home. Uh, we get people every weekend that live, you know, 10 minutes away that never knew we were open because again, we don't advertise, but I like to keep it that way. And I think uh, you'll find, uh, any guests will find that the staff is always very friendly and we like, uh, we like to have a good time and we want the customers to have a good time. And you went to Italy and did some research before you created this winery. Did you tell me this or did one of your employees tell me this? Is this true? Because there's a picture behind you that I hope you don't mind that we include in this interview. Because I think it's one of the pieces of art in your winery that people should make sure they, they take a look at when they visit. Do you want to tell us real quickly about that before I wrap this up? It's yeah, so, um, yeah, when I was in Italy, I'd you know, take lots of pictures like everybody else. And so when I built the, uh, the building itself, on the staircase going up, uh, it's all uh, Venetian plaster and travertine ceilings. So that kind of that Italian look. I have uh, frescoes on the walls of uh, a villa on two different walls and a, uh, a logo for a wine label, like almost with a crest on it that I had the uh, painter paint on the wall. But then in the upstairs main uh, dining room, I wanted to have it where our, if our guests were dining, they could look on one wall and have a picture of people dining from hundreds of years ago uh, in Italy. So there's uh, one of those famous paintings in the world is uh, the wedding at Cana, and I, which is in the Louvre. And I had that photoshopped where I took out a portion of the painting, which is really, uh, the main part of the dining scene in the painting and um, had that frescoed on the wall. It took about 20 months. It's all hand painted and it's uh, all framed with stone. And um, it's an identical repl replica to the original painting, every stitch of clothing and the like. Um, and I'll, I'll stand out of the way if you want. And it's, a, um, it's just a look where if the fireplaces are on up here and you're dining, you look at this one wall and you just see these people, um, except from hundreds of years ago, the painting was painted in uh, 1562, I believe, but it's just kind of fitting for the property. So I'm out of the way from that. Mesmerizing. Get a little bit of a picture of it. There it is. And I think when I go up there, I'm just mesmerized by it. It sucks you in and it's so well done that I wanted to make sure if people aren't aware of its existence, when they visit, that they take the time to go look at it. Well, Larry, this was a treat. I'm so glad we were able to make it happen. And I'm really thankful that you allowed me. And I can't wait to get it on YouTube to share it with my friends and my viewers. And 
hopefully soon I'll be there enjoying some more of your great wines. Thank well, you thank so you. much. Yeah, thank you. No, it was uh, it was a lot of fun and it was great seeing you on Sunday. And uh, I hope to see you again really soon. I will be there on Sunday. Well, thank you so much for watching Conversations with Jenny Lynn. When a conversation is all you need to be inspired. And today, I hope we didn't only inspire your curiosity, but your taste buds. And I will see you at the winery on Sunday. And I thank you so much for watching and I'll be back soon with another segment. Broadcasting from Silicon Valley, California, this is Conversations with Jenny Lynn.